Hello and welcome back to Take 97, a film podcast with me, your host, David Ingram. Welcome back everyone to regular episode output from me, your host, David Ingram, on Take 97. I cannot wait to share all these episodes I've been working on and ongoing projects that I've been doing over this little short break that I've taken. I have been in the process of moving house, so that is why I'm a little bit delayed in terms of putting stuff out and why I decided to take a break when I did. But thank you for joining me on this journey and supporting us. The social media has been off the charts. I am so glad we have surpassed 600 followers on our Instagram account. So thank you very much to everybody who's following us on that. That's at take underscore 97 podcast. A little bit of a sort of a looking at relevant events in film recently. The Spider-Man No Way Home trailer has dropped since I've been on this break. I am absolutely excited so much to watch that film when it comes out in December. I'm sure I know a lot of people, a lot of my friends who are very eagerly awaiting to see it, especially with the revelations that we've seen in the initial teaser trailer. And, you know, Doctor Strange is in it. It's going to get really cool. I think phase four is looking to be a very interesting phase of events, a very magical phase. Connecting with that moment, though, with the magic of the MCU, this film that I'm going to review for you today, and compared to its remake as well, is a magical fantasy adventure, as some will know it from their childhoods in various forms, be it from the book, the film adaptation in the 70s, which is my main focus today, and then the 2005 remake, or new adaptation then, by Tim Burton. Today's topic, if you haven't guessed already, uh, involves a lot of candy, a lot of chocolate, and a madman with a kaleidoscopic tunnel. Yes, my friends, I am talking about Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, the 1971 Mel Stewart film, and it stars Gene Wilder as the titular character of Willy Wonka, Peter Ostrom as young Charlie Bucket, who was a lot more blonder than Freddie Highmore's version in the Tim Burton version, but we'll get more to that in a minute, and Jack Albertson as Grandpa Joe, who, you know, I, I list those three people, there's many other people in this film, but those three, I would say, are the key people in it. You've got all the main characters, you've got Veruca Salt, Augustus Gloop, Mike TV, Violet Beauregard, and Charlie Bucket as the five kids. But, you you know, those three are the sort of the heart of the original film. And I just want to sort of start off with, if anybody doesn't know what Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory is, it's based on the Roald Dahl book of the same, well, I say the same name. It's actually based on the Roald Dahl book, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Uh, and the thing is, the way, the reason why, to my knowledge, I think they renamed uh, the film Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, mainly for marketing purposes, because of the fact that, obviously, Willy Wonka is the main character of the book really essentially i mean charlie definitely is but willy wonka is this main force in the film and i think the studio heads wanted something more marketable i think they were going to call it something completely different originally but it ended up being willy wonka and the chocolate factory because i think they didn't think it made sense that oh, charlie gives off the wrong impression you know it makes it like it's his chocolate factory which spoilers ahead by the way guys for anyone who's never seen the film it does get offered to him in the Tim Burton version and also in this version and the original book. But I just think this version, although the title is not the same as the book, and you could say, oh, it's not really a fateful adaptation if they can't be bothered to use the correct name. I would say that this film is filled with joy, nostalgia, and just downright creepiness. 
<laughs> I would say it is so creepy to the extent like Tim Burton is the visionary director of creepy. That's just say if creepy could be personified in a director, it would be Tim Burton. He does all these very strange, dark, gritty films, which are also suitable for family audiences nine times out of ten, uh, with a bit of adult subtext. But Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory comes across even creepier than the Tim Burton version. The Tim Burton version, it follows the story of the five kids and the winners of the golden tickets and their tour around Willy Wonka's Chocolate Factory and get the chance to go in for this grand prize which no one no one knows what it is but then we find out by the end the whole thing was just a test to find the best child the most worthy successor or in some cases just worthy child and see you know a mixture of demographics shall we say from across the globe you know you've got americans you've got brits you've got a german you've got this strange look of a man who's hell-bent on testing out children to see whether they're good or bad and event kind of being very serial killerish let's be honest with you so you know this sort of discussion of Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory and indeed Charlie and the Chocolate Factory the Tim Burton film is filled with spoilers so if you haven't seen it please go and watch both of them or at least read the book first and then come back to this because genuinely it's such a great story to sort of look at from the three perspectives both the book and the film side of things and then obviously look at the second film so charlie bucket is this kid who's suffering from poverty he's living in this tiny house with his grandparents both from his mother and father's side and his mum and dad they're all crammed together in this tiny space and you know they have a bed in the middle of the room which basically houses all of them together in this melting pot of generations then everything seems quite cozy but at the same time they're struggling to feed themselves and the you know it that part i think the poverty side of things is more emphasized in the tim burton version than it is in some points than the like i think willy wonka and the chocolate factory approaches the theme of poverty more subtly then i suppose than the tim burton version tim burton version outright does say oh we can't afford that charlie oh no and we banded together we paid you know they really emphasize it for the emotional value of the film whereas in willy wonka and the chocolate factory it's very much a case of it's there but it's not slap bang in your face which i don't know i think it works both ways but i think i quite like the way it comes across in the 70s version and then obviously willy wonka is this big famous candy man he owns this big chocolate factory which we discover to be this alice in wonderland style area that has got all sorts of stuff in it from a river made of chocolate to apples you can eat trees grass all that stuff a little mini forest in there as well as all the testing centers for the actual sweets and confectionery that is created in there so everlasting gobstoppers being one of the creations that roald dahl came up with for the original book all the other things that you could really sort of think of when you say roald dahl willy wonka the kids get given this tour of the factory and things go amok and each of the kids one by one gets picked off sort of their own greed then and their own sort of achilles heel then ends up being their downfall so mike tv's obsessed with television that ends up being his undoing gum for violet beauregard greediness in general i don't know spoilt brattishness from uh, veruca salt that be that ends up being her downfall of i want it now which is a song that's featured in the film 
and Augustus Gloop just being generally greedy as such because he just wants all the chocolate. And we see all these flaws in the kids, and that's the general gist of the story. Each of the kids gets picked off one by one. Now, I make that sound, like I mentioned earlier, it's very serial killer-like, and I think in Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, Gene Wilder's performance as Willy Wonka is frightening, but also enchanting at the same time. He's this magical man, like, don't get me wrong, all this is fantastical, but he's not a magician or anything, but he's got that magician's presence shall we say you know that purple coat that lovely top hat you know and the frills in his shirt and just the way gene wilder portrays willy wonka is he's the man of fantasy and magical experiences then in terms of the candy world and we get to see him be playful with the role he loves the kids but at the same time he's testing them loads of theories online that i've read into have said oh willy wonka a serial killer secretly question mark uh you know who knows i think personally that's one way you can read the film the film seems very intense when we get to moments where the kids are picked off and the fact that willy wonka doesn't actually really give a damn that kids have well not died but have come to pass by and leave the factory through very tragic if not strange circumstances you know one of them gets blown up to be like a big blueberry another just gets sucked up into a drain pipe others taken away by squirrels well in the tim burton version the squirrels take the take a veruca salt away and it's kind of a similar process in the in the willy wonka and the chocolate factory but you get this more of a oh she's registered as a bad egg she gets put there and she gets organized i think that's the only time i think in the Tim Burton version, I feel that it's even more sinister is the fact that the squirrels drag Veruca away. I, I do think that in the new version, that is the only really, really hardcore gritty moment in the film. The rest of it's all pretty much like for like in a way, apart from the fact, you know, you get a bit more emotional leverage then, shall we say, with the backstory of Willy Wonka and his father and why he started the factory in the first place and why he wanted to become a candy maker and all that stuff. But at the same time, I think Gene Wilder, whilst Johnny Depp, because if anybody's, uh, by the way, had a little listen to my guest spot on the Ladies of Filmfluence, so Filmfluence podcast, I featured on there discussing Johnny Depp and what I love about all of his works and some of my favourite bits. Charlie and the Chocolate Factory is not my favourite film of Johnny Depp's, but I do recognise that he completely transforms compared to the likes of Jack Sparrow and Edward Scissorhands and Sweeney Todd, for instance. But I do really enjoy the wickedness of Gene Wilder and how, I don't know, I think Johnny Depp portrays the, oh, I don't care, with great hysteria and over-the-topness, shall we say, and campness, shall we say, and going, oh, well, that's just great. Oh, that's fine. He's gone. That's fine. I don't know. He does his own version of Willy Wonka, which is similar to Gene Wilder's, but Gene Wilder has that menace behind him. He can be like, hmm, yes, mm, the kid's just gone. I'm just getting on. That's fine. Move on. Move on. Next stage. Next stage. There's a hint of... It's like many people have latched on to the fact that he is secretly... This version of Willy Wonka is secretly a serial killer, a child killer. Because of that menace behind his voice, he seems so cool and calm and collected. Obviously until the end of the film where he loses it because Charlie doesn't go along with what he wanted at first. And it turns out to be a ruse, obviously. But I do think that Gene Wilder's menace is far more 
unsettling to watch than Johnny Depp's. Johnny Depp's is very much, oh, he's a nice man. He's got a sad story. We've got to sympathize with him. Whereas the thing with Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, you don't get a backstory for Gene Wilder's version. You just see him as the Candyman. There's a lot of mystery behind him, and that's why, personally, I think the 70s film is probably closer to the book, even though the title's not the same. And yeah, there's probably a few differences here and there between the book and the film, like there naturally would be with any adaptation. But the aims behind the character of Wonka. Wonka is meant to be this man who's a mysterious man who's hidden away for so many years, the factory's closed, and he lets people into his private land, an area which is personal to him and him alone, and only him and his little minions, the Oompa Loompas. And, and that's actually something I want to highlight, is that the singing in this is far more potent in the original than it is in the new one. The new one, it feels like Tim Burton just added the songs in to please people who love the original film to say, yeah, it's still Willy Wonka, it's still Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, it's the same story. You know, so we've got the Oompa Loompa Doopa Dee Dee, Doopa Dee Da, all those songs sung by the Oompa Loompas about the respective kids who get knocked off one by one. Uh, <laughs> I mean, it is kind of a, it's a feature of the story itself, but... I don't know, they feel a bit out of place with Tim Burton's version because Tim Burton's version is far more emotional. And then the original version of the film with Gene Wilder. And again, it's that thing of menace. And I'd like to highlight, so, you know, there's far more songs in Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory than there is, because you've got the Oompa Loompa songs where each of the kids gets picked off in the Tim Burton version. But then in the original, you have far more other songs as well that feature, you know, you've got that, lovely ballad at the beginning which is kind of Wizard of Oz like sung which is kind of you got that ballad which is kind of Wizard of Oz like sung by Charlie's mother in the 70s version and it's very emotional and a bit offsetting very melancholic going Charlie providing emotion for the character it's very strange how also I find that there's polar opposites between these two films how in Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, we seem to focus way more on Charlie's emotional well-being, and he's not in the title of the film. Whereas in the new version, it's called Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, and yeah, we focus on him, but a lot of the backstory elements are focused on Willy Wonka, who's not named in the title. So I don't know whether that was deliberate or whether that was just an accident, but let me know your thoughts in the comments on our social medias. And that's what I want to sort of lead on to as well, the emotional impact, or should I say the psychological impact then? And I mentioned people think Willy Wonka's a bit of a serial killer in some respects, in the, mainly in the first one more than anything, because of how much he doesn't care about the kids' well-being, the ones that just get knocked off. And I'll highlight in the original, one of my favourite sequences is the tunnel sequence. So we just lost Augustus Gloop, he just got sucked up into the chocolate fountain and it's just damn right creepy <laughs> it's just so creepy that you got he, they're on this rowing boat and all these psychedelic colors are all going around and the way it looks is i think it's done it was done optically i think with some effects and like lighting that really good trickery of the light with gene wilder's eyes 
wide as hell. You see the whites of his eyes, and he's talking very slowly, and he's going round and round and round and round, and and he starts shouting like a deranged child at one point. It's very interesting to see the film. It's focused on a group of kids, and he ends up becoming a kid himself, which is retained in the Tim Burton version. The Tim Burton version does show you a loss of innocence, a loss of that childhood that he yearned for when he was younger, and he. All he ever wanted to do was prove his dad wrong. Oh, Christopher Lee, the dentist. But I just think with that tunnel sequence, it sums up the theory of Willy Wonka as a serial killer. It really does. He's just deranged and starts rambling on and saying all these things about going around and round in circles. And the colours of that sequence really enhance it. Like I said, the psychedelic nature of the lighting just flashing on and off. And even though the, I know this is the 1970s, it's 1971, but it's very 60s-like in a way because of the art house-like colours as well. You know, you get that art house feel from this sequence where they're on this rowing boat just before they arrive at their destination for the next room, the tasting room, I think it is, if I remember rightly. And because of the nature of the recording of the sound as well, because it's a 1970s film, the Oompa Loompa songs, they seem more harrowing than the 2005 film, because the 2005 film is very popular. I mean, Tim Burton has a great affinity with Danny Elfman and doing work with Danny Elfman, who's known for doing popular music then. He, had, he was in his own band, and Tim Burton likes that style of music, like creepy orchestral music that Danny Elfman does. Danny Elfman has a root in pop music, and that sort of rubbed off on Tim Burton over the years. And the Oompa Loompa songs are far more popular music-based. Like, they're much more toe-tapping then than anything else that you could possibly imagine happening in the 70s version. They're sung very, like, like a barbershop quartet, in a way. And there's an echo, a sort of dis an echo-like an old type of recording on a vinyl you would get from a genuine, like, soul musician or something like that. That's why that echo, that harrowing sound, it, it comes across more creepy than the new version ever will. You could dance to the Oompa Loompa songs in Tim Burton's version, whereas the old one, it's, it's got a sense of Frankie Valley to it, it's got a sense of, like, soul to it, and I go back to the fact that there's more individual songs between the main Oompa Loompa songs where the kids get knocked off. Gene Wilder's performance of Pure Imagination, I don't know, the the way it comes in, it, it's not even featured in the new version, in this remake that Tim Burton did, just astounds me at how creepy and how echoey and harrowing that version by Gene Wilder is, because all of a sudden you hear this twinkle, it's like twinkle twinkle, little keys coming in, and he just sings it so slowly, like a soul singer. He He's singing, it's very reminiscent of classic 50s, 60s soul singers then, shall we say. And I just think that's what gives this film the edge overall. Whereas in Tim Burton's version, I know he's meant to be a man of mystery, but then we're gonna, you know, oh, we, why is he a man of mystery? Let's find out through an emotional backstory. I'm not saying backstories are bad because you need a well-rounded character in any film but sometimes I think modern filmmakers just think oh they must have a really bad emotional backstory I mean that's what the Disney origin stories are for that's what prequel series is, are made for they're made to explore things that we don't see in the film so in my opinion personally it would be much nicer if some films these days did things more like the old days where you used to have 
a character with mystery and depth, but you don't have to have that depth spelled out to you. You don't have to have it be explained of, oh, this is why they're such a detached person. This is why the way, they're the way they are. You need to save some of that mystery for another day, for another film, not put it all into one film because it just becomes way too crowded and way too much. But that's just my opinion, personally. Other things to highlight, Gunter Meisner, I think that's how you say his name. He played in the original version in Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, Arthur Slugworth, or Mr. Wilkinson, who actually in the 70s version is portrayed as being a, you know, he steals things from Wonka, he's trying to bribe all the kids because he's there every time the kids who find the golden tickets are on TV and get publicised in the news. He's always there and we think he's trying to convince people to steal recipes and make the kids go undercover and give the recipes to Slugworth afterwards, which, and it's mentioned and referenced throughout the film and in the book as well. But then, yeah, in the new version, it's very much a case of that's what that is. In the old, the 1970s version, we get this sense that in the 1970s version, he's actually working with Wonka and he's actually just a nice person. He's not a bad guy. He's a genuine He's trying to test part of the test of the kids then, shall we say. He's testing the kids with Wonka. He's one of Wonka's agents. Again, making things so much more simpler, rather than going into massive depth and just sort of losing it out on the audience with some villain that's going to be written out after five minutes. I think it was quite a clever twist that Slugworth was meant to be this bad guy, and then it turns out he wasn't the bad guy, whereas he was a very two-dimensional character in the way Tim Burton's version portrayed him. He's barely in it, to be honest, really. Like, there's a little essence of Slugworth's company being in the area and wanting to get in on Willy Wonka's fame and glory, then, shall we say, for his candy-making skills. But, yeah, that's all I really have to say for that. He's very sinister, old uh, Arthur Slugworth. He's very sinister. He's got, I don't know, vibes of Michael Goff's Alfred. I would say it sounds a bit weird, but like slightly younger, but you know, similar and a mixture of Alfred from Batman and the child catcher from Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. A little mixture of them two men put together in one character. That's what Gunter Meisner portrays in the 70s version of this story. But yeah, practical effects and everything like that. The sets for the 1970s film were actually real. They're all real, and that's what I love about it. They're all real. Whereas in the Tim Burton version, only a portion of them are real. They're mostly green-blue screens, so they're all CGI effects mostly. And the Oompa Loompas, they're just one man, Deep Roy, great actor, Deep Roy. Uh, he plays all the Oompa Loompas, which is very clever use of technology and duplicating him to become all the Oompa Loompas so they all look the same. But that's kind of, I don't know, I kind of like the individuality of the Oompa Loompas of the 1970s version. Because although they are made up to look the same, with the, the the weird crazy green hair, and the orange skin which is a bit over the top, and probably just a little bit tad outdated nowadays really, but I think each of the Oompa Loompa actors had their own personalities, whereas you just use one actor they all look the same, and it's kind of boring. It kind of sums up the digital age, really, of, like, the early 2000s, where they're experimenting with that kind of filmmaking strategy, trying to sort of keep the cost down by only employing one actor to do the work of 10 or 20. But that's 
my personal opinion on that one. I think the reason why I steer more towards the Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory is because of the practical effects, the practical sets, the individuality and the performances by everybody, even the kids actually. The kids seem, even though it's very 70s, they seem less dramatic, which sounds strange to say, but I do think that Willy Wonka as a character and a concept, he's mad. He's like mad as a mad hatter. And the Roald Dahl source material, it's fantastical in its nature. I don't think it's really necessary to be so realistic then, because like, I, I feel like in Tim Burton's version, the kids are all very much, you would see most of those kids out on the street. Maybe not Augustus Gloop as such. Most of the kids are fantastical in the original, whereas they're a little bit more real, or at least some of them are, in the 2005 adaptation. And then there's other differences as well. So for instance, Veruca Salt, um, she's much more spoiled in the 1971 version. I think she's the one exception. She's so over the top then, should we say. So, you know, you've got this dramatic acting in 2005 where everyone's taking it so seriously. <laughs> then you get the other extreme in the 70s where people are like caricatures of things. So you've got a caricature of a German. He's wearing lederhosen for Augustus Gloop and he's blonde hair, blue eyes. You know, he looks like he's just jumped out the sound of music. <laughs> when... Veruca Salt as well, she's really over the top, she's super, super spoiled, whereas, I don't know, there's a slight sharpness in the new version of Veruca Salt in Tim Burton's adaptation. She is portrayed as being sarcastic and sharp, but not as, like, I want it now. Like, she does say it a little bit, but at the same time, you don't get it as much as <laughs> literally screaming in the 1970s version. But yeah, like I said, I think the backstory for Wonka, for Willy Wonka, was not needed. It was a bit unnecessary, the father plot. It was all nice and all, and Christopher Lee does a brilliant job as Willy Wonka's father, but at the same time, I don't think it was needed. And I like to keep that air of mystery, and that's what I'm going to leave this episode on, is that the air of mystery around these characters should remain. If you want to do some Netflix, Disney Plus series where you explore the origins of a character, that's fine. Do that in or in a film. Do that. That's fine. But don't try and cram it into one film. It's just too much. It is too much, you know, to do the original story plus an extra backstory. It's just, it's too much to really go into, in my opinion. But that's just me. And also the CGI was saturated and overdone. Other things I can highlight about the film as well. Pure Imagination, the song. It's a sweet, melancholic number. Very much has the same effect as Over the Rainbow does in The Wizard of Oz, except it's at a different point in the film to when, like, the running time of The Wizard of Oz anyway. The song about Charlie is very much the Over the Rainbow for Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. And it could have easily been cut, but I think it really gives good emotional depth without going into too much detail for that character and where he starts and then where he ends. You know, I think Freddie Highmore does a really good job as Charlie in Tim Burton's adaptation. And he's all right, but he's a, he's a child actor. He was really good. And, you know, the child actor, so Peter o Ostrom in Charlie Bucket, the blonde-haired, wide-eyed kid. I don't know. I think because it's the 70s, I'm a little bit sort of stuck in a rut in terms of why I like that so much because of the fact that he see it's so cheesy but at the same time you enjoy it it's that nostalgia that nostalgia for mystery and fantasy whereas everything's on the table in the 
in the newer version. You know, when you read a book, you don't get, you get loads of details sometimes about a backstory of a character, but sometimes you read about characters and all you get is that he was a tall or she was a short or tall person and you get this sense that they are mysterious and there's more to them, but then you have to make it up in your head because you're reading the book. You're not spoon-fed the information. Spoon-feeding is what the new version, so Charlie and the Chocolate Factory from 2005, does to you in some respects, whereas that air of mystery is maintained in the 1971 Mel Stewart version, Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. And that's all I have to say, really, on Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory and its remake-slash-new adaptation, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory from 2005. I hope you've enjoyed this sort of little mini analysis and discussion of my thoughts and feelings about the original and the new one and my comparison why I prefer the original to the new one. Um, if you have any other opinions, please let me know on the social medias on Tate 97, a film podcast's Instagram and Twitter feeds. We regularly post updates there alongside our new episodes and I'm excited to get to the next episode with you guys. I'm going to be doing another classic film review for you. It's a film I've recently discovered. I'm not going to say what it is yet, but it's from the 1980s. And I think you guys might enjoy it. Some people will, some people won't. But that's the joy of film, the difference of opinion and the open discussion. And that's a wrap on Take 97, a film podcast, the Wonka edition of the podcast. Slam down between Tim Burton and Gene Wilder. I'll catch you on the next episode, guys. Thank you very much for listening. See you later.